Welcome back to another episode of the Mouth of the South podcast. I am your host, Darian Gray, and as the name may suggest, I am the Mouth of the South. Thank you guys for coming on this journey with me, and we're talking about the first preseason game because football is back. I told you guys this on the last episode. I had Dilly Sanders on. Phenomenal episode. And I know we were in there talking about camp and preseason and the MCU and music, but the only thing that might be slightly outdated is the conversation about what to look for in preseason game number one. So if you haven't checked that out already, go back and check it out. Phenomenal episode. Went a little bit longer than we're used to, but man, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have taken a minute out if I could. This week's quote of the week comes courtesy of Deontay Harris, and it's just his statements on the DUI that he had last month. And this is what he says. He said, I left the DUI in last month, took the appropriate actions necessary and all of that. You can't make me feel bad no more. And I'm at peace with the situation. Don't owe y'all a damn thing. My loved ones are happy and living life, and so am I. And I thought that's good because he don't owe us nothing, man. A lot of times we be holding these athletes to these standards to do this, that, and the third. And it's like, they don't have to. They don't need to, you know. And shout out to him for moving on because it's a situation where I know people are going to keep bringing it up, bringing it up, especially when it's time for him to get suspended. And, I mean, it's a talking point. Like, I'm not about to sit here with a lot of you guys. I'm going to bring it up during the episode today. But I'm not going to bring it up in a way to try to shame the guy. Mistakes were made. It happens. And like he said, he's moved on. And his loved ones are happy. I was talking to one of my friends about that already. Man, if I'm living life, I don't need to explain nothing to nobody but my loved ones because I really don't care what people who are irrelevant to me think about things that I do. It doesn't really affect how I move because I'm comfortable with, with what I do. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's not the same circumstances. He's talking about a mistake he made, and he's he's famous. You know, he's a player for the Saints, and, you know, everybody's going to be talking to him. The fans going to be talking to him like, oh, you 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 did this, that, and the third, man. I wish you could be out there, or, oh, you shouldn't have drank, da 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 Man, these famous people, these athletes, these superstars, they're regular people just like me and you. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. So that's my quote of the week. Remember that, man. You ain't got to explain yourself to everybody. You got your loved ones. As long as they straight and they understand where you're coming from, at least they understand where I'm coming from, we're good. Now let's get into the preseason week one. Now that we got that quote of the week out of the way, I want to go with the good, the bad, the ugly. And I want to I want you guys to tell me what your good, bad, and ugly is. You understand? So you know you guys know where I'm at. I'm on South Exclusives on Twitter. Tweet me your good, your bad, and your ugly from preseason game number one. Let's start it off with the good. Let's go with Mark Quez Callaway. He looks good. And I know it's only preseason number one. You know what I'm saying? He didn't get to play last last offseason or last preseason because of COVID and everything. But he caught passes on Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey. And I don't think it's really something to scoff at. And they were playing vanilla coverage, but they weren't just going to let him catch it. This wasn't a, a a drill where you just give the guys a good look. No, they didn't want to let him catch those passes, and he did anyway. So he looked comfortable in that role, and Taysom was looking for him. And Taysom started off pretty good. We're going to get to him later on in the episode as well. But Quez looked good, man. I, I liked when he had the ball in his hand, his ability to stop. He had kind of a, a shoulder on or a throw on his back shoulder. He was on a crossing route, and Taysom kind of stopped his momentum. I think that was probably the lead him away from the safety that was coming down. A big hit wasn't imminent, but he probably could have took two, three steps and would have got tackled. This allowed him to stop, pivot, and, you know, run for maybe about five yards. I can't remember the exact amount yards after the catch he had, 
but he looked good when he had the ball in his hand. And with the depleted wide receiving core and room that we have, I think this is important, you know. Callaway being a big reason for Taysom's success points to a, a, a remarkable trait, you know. This is the guy who, coming into the season, you're looking at your number three receiver. Injuries to, to Michael Thomas, injuries to Trey Quan. That changes thing. He's being thrusted into that number one spot. That's not the guy that you expect to make your make your quarterback look good. And that's not a shot at Taysom. It's just the fact that he amplifies your quarterback. And that was supposed to be your number three receiver. And I think that his showing right now at least tells me that he would have broke through the, to that number two receiver uh, position, even if Traquan didn't get hurt. And number one with Michael Thomas being out. So let's look at it. Okay, number one going against Jair Alexander and probably playing sides. He has that the first couple of games. He steps up. He he holds it down because Traquan, we don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, Harris, we don't know if he's going to be gone for two or three games. Like I said, I was going to bring it up, but not in a shameful way. Just saying that's what it is. He's probably getting suspended. But if Quest can come in and hold it down for those two, three games that they're gone, you know, hopefully that's all it is. This is not just a guy playing well when everybody else is out. If he looks good, this could be the solution that Saints fans have been looking for for about two years, where you're looking at a situation for two years, the Saints fans have been clamoring for the, the team to draft wide receivers and being mad when they didn't, aside from Kawan Baker in the seventh round. They've been wanting somebody to have Michael Thomas's, uh back on the other side. Haven't had that since Ted Ginn 2018. We're supposed to have it in Emmanuel Sanders, but, of course, can't have that go right because Michael Thomas had to get hurt. But now, not just are you getting a guy who can fill the shoes of the number one receiver at the time, and I'm not saying he's going to come out and set the world on fire. He might, but I'm not saying that's what he needs to do. Now he comes out and he plays well. Just think about how good he's going to play when Michael Thomas returns. And now he's not seeing number one cornerbacks ever. And he's going against only number two guys. So I think Callaway's performance will impact not just the first six or so games that Thomas is out, but also the future of the offense because you could have found your number two receiver. And I don't want to make it sound like an overreaction, but everything that we've been hearing from camp and what I've seen on a couple of plays that he was able to make in the first preseason game have told me that this guy is a, is a quality player and he's going to have some uh, a real big impact on the team. Now to the bad. The bad is that neither one of the quarterbacks really separated. And I understand people wouldn't want to put that in the category because they both, they both had ups and downs. But for me, I wanted to see some sort of separation. I thought that maybe camp was going on. Cool, you're working with ones and twos on and off. But when you're going against players that you never played against, now you start seeing that separation. And it just didn't happen. And I don't think that they played terribly. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just what I wanted. So don't make the bad categorization for this trait or this competition make you think that both quarterbacks played bad it's just I wanted something else out of it you know Taysom went uh eight for 12 81 yards one interception Jameis went seven for 12 96 yards a touchdown in an interception really close really even day I can't wait to see what Jameis does with the number one team next week against Jacksonville and Taysom will have the number twos you know I don't think that Jameis was really helped by his receivers and as far as the play on the field, the wide receivers in that number two category or in that number two team was really my biggest takeaway in a negative light. 
because I look at it and you need those guys to step up because it's not deep. You might be missing Smith. You might be missing Harris to start the year. Somebody has to be that number two receiver. Now, while I wouldn't prefer for it to be Ty Montgomery, I would have liked to see Ty Montgomery or a uh, Chris Hogan or a Lil Jordan. I would have liked to see them step up to where if it does have to be that guy, it just has to be that guy, then I can at least feel like I can get by for maybe a game. And I'm not saying you feel great about it or you feel confident, but, you know, you could be cautiously optimistic maybe. But the way that these guys were looking today, I didn't even feel like cautiously optimistic would be reasonable. It just felt like you would be tricking yourself. You would be in a stage of denial if you think that these guys can be your number two receiver. And that's just how it felt. That was the worst thing that I've seen in the game, honestly. I mean, that's not my ugly, so that's why I was able to bring that up. But for Jameis, I don't want to make it seem like it was only the quality of receivers that he was out there with that was giving him fits I thought that he had a couple of passes to the sidelines that should have been farther outside you know the guy has a cannon you would have expected him to be able to get that more outside he looked a little bit antsy I think that had to do with the guys not separating he took a real uh real bad coverage sack where he was trying to get away but just nobody was open man so that's one of the reasons that I'm super excited to see him with the ones because if Quez looked like that would taste him and me personally I've been team Jameis I want to see what he looks like with Jameis because that's going to be your number one receiver to start the season. So let's see what it's going to be looking like. Now, as far as Taysom go, oh, I don't want to just bring up the bad for Jameis. Let's talk about the good. Once he got started, he got started. He got rolling. He had a couple of plays where you've seen him have time in the pocket. He attacked downfield, and he looked really comfortable. I love seeing his pass to uh, Tom Montgomery, his pass to Jawan Johnson. I thought that was really good, and he led them on a touchdown drive. So he, was, he, he led them on their only two touchdown drives. If you want to say Tony Jones Jr. had one of them, I completely understand that. But Jameis looked okay once it started. He had a, he had a interception to close the half and really end his game, which sucked. I would have liked to see him not have an interception. And I'm sure that the jokes are rolling, but I don't really follow many people who are not talking about the Saints. And I think most Saints people understand what's going on. They understand what happened about that interception. So let's get into Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill had a really good start. I thought that as a opposite of Jameis, he was hitting those sideline throws beautifully. His passes were getting out there. Even on the one that was dropped by Lil Jordan, might have been a little inside, but I thought it was right on the money. Couldn't have asked for a better, I won't say you couldn't ask for a better throw, but that was a pretty good throw. He had another one to the flats. I thought he started off really good and real good command of the offense. Worked him down, hit Quez a couple of times. I thought he looked really good. And then after he had his interception, you know, because Murray fumbled at the uh, at the inside the 10-yard line, after he had his interception on a pass directed to Ty Montgomery, it just felt like he wasn't the same. I know he had a hand injury. I don't know if that was to blame. I don't know when that started aggravating him, but he just never looked the same after, and he had a terrible throw that should have been intercepted by safety, but it was kind of low, and the dude just kind of dropped it still. It still should have been intercepted, but it was rather low behind the receiver. I think Quez was the intended target on that play. You wanted to see more from him. You want to see more consistency. So there was good and there was bad from both of these guys. I don't want to make it seem like either one of these guys really got separation, in my opinion. I think that whoever you felt like was winning the battle coming in, 
you should feel like was winning the battle coming out. So for me, I feel like it's Jameis. So I'm still feel like it was Jameis. Yes, I thought Taysom looked really good to start the game with on third down situations where he never looked like it was too big. When Murray, and yes, I'm I'm, I'm really poo-pooing on Murray, but Murray missed a block and allowed the, the defender to get right in on Taysom. He was able to scramble out right and throw a pass right before he got sacked. thought that was a great throw. You know, these are things that you want to see from him because we saw him in good situations last year where he looked okay, but when things started breaking down, he wasn't. And that was a situation where things broke down and he was able to still make a play. I just would like to see him bounce back from a mistake a little bit better. And I'm not one of these guys who, who think Taysom is trash. I think that if Taysom is your, your starting quarterback, you'll be okay because he really did beat out Jameis. That's how I look at it. Now, getting into the ugly. I think the ugly is probably going to be the same for a lot of people. It's the turnovers for me. And you're not going to win games having six turnovers, but you're also not going to have many turnovers and not that many turnovers in games. I understand that. So let's go through all of them, though. You know, that's why you lost the game. And I was really hoping to beat the streak. I had this whole, like, meme. I should have known. I think I felt it, too. When I knew I was going to post a uh, picture of that black guy who's seen uh, Undertaker lose the streak, and I was going to post it. I think at that moment, I was like, man, we're not about to win this game. That, that's what happened when you think about celebrating before the job's done. You don't get the job done. <laughs> but let's talk about it. Taysom, that first interception, well, I'll go in order. Uh, I'll just do the interceptions, then I'll do the fumbles so you know how I'm going with it. Taysom, I don't know who that interception was on. Um, I'm blaming it on Montgomery because regardless of what the read was, he didn't look like he was going to slow down. Like, he looked like he was going to keep running. So when Taysom let the ball go, it looked like he was going to keep running. So whether he should have sat, whether he should have kept crossing, all that aside, I'm not sure. But I know when Taysom let go of the ball, Montgomery still looked, looked like he was running full speed. And he would have been where Taysom threw it. And it wouldn't have been an interception if he didn't decide to sit down when the ball was already in the air. Then let's go into the second interception, which was Jameis's. I don't really blame that too much on him as well. You know, I felt like the, the safety was coming over the top. I saw that. You know, I saw that the safety was coming over the top. But I would have liked to see Jameis put a little bit more on it. I don't know how much more he could have put on it, but I would like to see him put a little bit on it. But LaJordan, you got to come down with that. You got to come down with that ball. And it should not have been an interception. It was really an unlucky bounce. The way it bounced up from that, uh, from I don't know if it hit his hands or hit his shoulder pads, but the way it bounced up, it went right to the safety. It was like, that was just that was just bad luck. But, look, Jordan, you got to come down with that ball, in my opinion. You got to fight back towards the ball, not just keep running. You would have liked to see that. But if that's My Michael Thomas, if that's Marquez Callaway, I'm putting him in that, in that class right now. If that's one of those two guys, I think that's a reception. And it's for sure not an interception. So... Like I said, I want to see him with the number with the number one guys, but then Ian Books, that might have been the one that you can put on the quarterback the most, but he couldn't even step in. He couldn't step into the throw, which is what led to it being short, and it was intercepted, game over. So I thought it was pretty appropriate for it to end on the turnover because, you know, you had turnovers all day. Now let's get into the, the fumbles because every running back that touched the ball had a fumble. Tony Jones, Jr., Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, they all have fumbling issues. So 
I'll go in order again, man. Murray, he got hit. I thought he was trying to say he was down, and that was fun. I was like, bro, you weren't down. You weren't even close to being down. But I think he was trying to say he touched the guy down. And that was tough because you were driving, and you had a really good drive. And I think it would have been great for Taysom to be able to punch that ball in. It would have been great for his confidence. The same way that I thought that the interception might have negatively impacted his confidence, I think that that touchdown would have uh, affected it positively the same amount. Then Devontae Freeman, that was the one that was the worst to me. Devontae Freeman, you just, you, you fumbled because you ran into your own offensive lineman, and it looked like the offensive lineman buttocks knocked the ball out. That's what it looked like to me. You know, it looked like Devontae, was Freeman, was trying, Devontae Freeman was trying to run, get through the hole. His arm might have hit the uh, lineman, and the ball just bloop, popped out. You got to be more careful. Tony Jones Jr., as good of a day as he had, he didn't avoid that, that injury, I mean, that uh, turnover bug either. And he got hit coming, uh, running the ball. So everybody fumbled the ball, man. Everybody intercepted, uh, threw an interception, excuse me, sorry. That's what you're looking at. Six turnovers, and that's why you lost the game. Because you cannot do that and expect to still win. And you didn't. So you got to clean it up. I expect to see running backs just carrying footballs, walking through the, the facilities. You know, don't get too much food at lunch because you got to carry it with one hand because you're still carrying the football. So let's get into a couple of other takeaways I have before I highlight two players who I think were worthy of player of the game. I want to talk about Tony Jones Jr. He coming for that number three spot at the running back position. And there was a lot of discussion about Freeman and he could possibly even push Murray for running back number two. <clears throat> but I didn't see that in the game. We didn't see it in the game. He had six carries for six yards. And it was Jones that looked the best out of everybody. And I'm not coming to say that Jones is taking Murray's spot. I'm here to say that Freeman might not even have a spot, even if they do carry four running backs, including Devontae, uh, I mean, Dwayne Washington. Because that was what I thought was his way in. I never thought he was going to be running back number two. But I thought he could be running back three with, with Washington being a special teams guy. But the way Jones playing, if he puts together two more performances like that, coming off of in the Carolina game, I thought he looked good before he had to go out with injury. The guy had the most yards by the team by far. You know, his first three carries were the best three carries of the day, in my opinion. And he carried the Saints down for their first points of the day. He had 82 of the 92, 94 yards uh, by the team. And it's not as if, like, he was some bell cow and... <clears throat> He had all the, the carries and nobody else carried the ball. He only had seven carries. Seven carries, 82 yards. Devontae Freeman had six carries for six yards. Murray had five carries for six yards. So the amount of carries was not the difference maker in the amount of yards. He was just way more efficient with his touches. In addition to that, he also brought in five, five catches. So I was happy about it. Then keep it in the running back. Dwayne Washington is making this team. Um, a guy who did not carry the ball not one time. I don't even know if he got an offensive snap. I didn't see him. That tells me that he's making the team. And that might seem crazy to say, but if he was in jeopardy of not making it, I think we would have seen him at least run the ball. You know what I mean? He would have had the chance to show what he has. But he didn't do that because they know he's a special teams ace. And him never touching the ball tells me that he's solidified, at least as a special teams guy. And we want to see what these other running backs have. 
specifically Freeman and Jones Jr. We want to see what they have running the ball because that's the role that they're going to be used in, but you're going to make the team as a special teams guy. So if he's not cutting that first wave, maybe even the second wave, he's made the team in that role. And that's what it tells me because he ain't fighting for nothing. He's playing that role. Now, let's get into the two players who I feel like could have won player of the game. And I'm going to start off with Paulson Adebo because, look, I absolutely loved what I saw from him in this game because I didn't expect it. I didn't expect him to look as good as he looked in camp. So when you're going against somebody else, other receivers, and I don't care, man. A lot of people be trying to, it's just preseason, do-do-do-do-do. Man, this dude was playing against real play. He's playing against Tyler Wallace, a guy that I wanted. All right? So I'm not about to sit here and and negate and say it's just preseason because I feel like when you have a player who plays well and you say it's just preseason, now you're disrespecting the players he's going against as well. You're basically saying that they're scrubs. You know? Oh, he's going against second teamers. Man, he's going against the top receivers that they put out there. And I said that on my Instagram Live coming into the uh, game that I wanted to see Lattimore sit and I want to see him sit the whole preseason because I want to see Adebo and Crowley going at it for cornerback too because I didn't heard Saints Twitter call him every name in the book. Y'all don't call him this, that, and the third, but if y'all going to call him anything, y'all need to get used to calling him cornerback too. Paulson Adebo, CB2. You understand? I think that when you're looking at him, the most impressive thing about him wasn't an individual trait. It's the fact that the overall package and the way he performed, even though he hadn't been in a real game in a year and a half. I mean, how many times did he get targeted? You know, a lot. Like, that's how it felt. Because every single play, I think I've seen Crowley get targeted like one time, and it was a reception. They got good amount of yards, but it didn't matter. It's almost like Sean went over to Harbaugh and was like, you know, we go way back since our Philly days. I want you to target this young guy and see what he has. And what he has is a, a good skill set, man. Good physical guy. You know, he had a couple ups and downs, but most rookie cornerbacks don't come out and are just lights out. That's a Marshawn thing that's not most cornerbacks. You know, you look at Cameron Dantzler in Minnesota. He didn't come out lights out right away. So, but he came on late. Man, but Adebo, he had two... You know, two potential PIs. Neither one got called because one was called, but it was negated by a holding. And the other, it wasn't called because it was uncatchable. That first one, I don't even think that was really PI. I think that he had his hands there. He was being a little bit physical. However, I don't actually feel like that was PI. I think that the dude slipped and Debo's hand was there. And it made it kind of look like he tugged him down. But from the at least the TV copy, I didn't feel like he really affected the receiver that much to make him slip and fall. But whatever, he got negated by a holding penalty, and he came right back from that. And they targeted him again on a comeback route, and he stopped them very short of the line. And I think that was something that continued throughout the day, is when the player caught the ball and Adebo was in coverage, they didn't get any yards after the catch. As soon as you caught it, Adebo was right there. He had off coverage on a slant route, boom, right there. And I thought that was great. You're going to let let up some passes underneath, but are you going to let up the yards afterwards? And it doesn't look like he's ready to do that. Yeah, he had that um, bad, I ain't going to lie, he had a bad play when he, he was targeted in the end zone. It was Tylen Wallace. And if McSorley doesn't just throw that ball out of bounds and it's not uncatchable, that's going to be a P.I. because he panicked. 
It's the first time he played in a year and a half. I expect that kind of stuff. So I'm happy. I think he looked great, but the number one guy that I feel like this has to go to, especially coming from me, is Zach Bond. Zach Bond played outstanding, and he was my biggest surprise of the day. I never shy away from my past and what I said in the past, I should say. So I was extremely critical of the of the pick. And he making me he, he making me go on hush mode because I knew he could fit the run, but I didn't know he could fit it like that. See, Ruiz, who played better, and I was watching him. I don't think I saw him give up a pressure, you know. But Ruiz and Bond were the two people who suffered the most from the throwed off and abnormal offseason that COVID created. Because they were both rookies. You need to get acclimated to playing in the league. But not only were they both rookies, they also were both switching positions. Ruiz, a natural center, going over to guard. Bond, in my opinion, was a 3-4 linebacker, outside guy, TJ Watt type of guy. You look at the guys, D Ford, you look at those type of guys, that's what he was playing at Wisconsin. They're trying to move him to a 4-3 stand-up linebacker. You're not playing on the edge. But now, after a full year for both of those guys, they look really good. But let's focus on Bond because, hey, I said I'd eat my words if he do it. And he's going to have to start. I'm not eating no words until the regular season. Understand that. I'm not literally eating my words unless he starts in the regular season and he plays well. But I will say I was wrong, at least how it looks right now. But y'all not about to have me eat paper and ink. <laughs> but Bond better hurry. I mean, Werner better hurry back. Because when Bond was playing in base defensive packages last year, he's playing Sam. Now he's playing Will. And he had his run fits, like I said, but there was so much more range now. He was running sideline to sideline now. And I just thought that uh, Werner, I thought he was going to have that range on him a little bit more. And Bond, wherever the ball was at, he was there. So... Bond out there hooping, Werner, you might want to take take uh, notice and go ahead and get out there and, and, and uh, play. So I think that his most impressive play came on a bootleg where Marcus Davenport, he was rushing the quarterback. He was uh, rushing Missorley. He made him double clutch, and he threw it out to the tight end that was crossing behind the formation. And this is something that the Saints have had problems with for a while. But Bond, he stayed disciplined. He didn't get sucked in by the play fake. He saw that that tight end coming across the formation, and it was helped by the double, the double clutch that that Davenport forced. But as soon as he threw the ball to that tight end, Bond was right there to stop it. And this is something that Quan's good at, but you can never have too many people on the field who can do this. I thought it was really disciplined, and I thought it really pointed out a great play because. Yeah, you can be an athlete, but if your mind not there, it really don't matter. And that showed that his mind was there. I think that between him and Werner that this competition may come down to because it seemed really close. And I know Werner was getting a lot of first-team reps. So I'm assuming that Werner's also flying around and looking like that even though he hasn't done it in the game yet. But what it might come down to is Zach Bond and Werner in man coverage on maybe some tight ends, some running backs, and those type of situations. And we'll see. I would say Werner has the edge, but 
I ain't gonna lie to you. I didn't think that Vaughn was gonna be that good covering the flats. I seen him do it at Wisconsin, but he looked even better and more natural at it now. So he could have easily improved his man coverage as well. And I'm not putting nothing past it. So that could be one of the deciding factors in who really wins the job. But overall, you got to give love to Zach Bond. Dude looks phenomenal. He looked way better than I expected. Way better than I expected even after hearing how good he looked in camp. So Adebo, Bond, two new guys getting real snaps. You guys look phenomenal. I got to give you guys player of the game. But if I got to give it to one person, it's going to be Bond just because I talk so much about him that he made me shut up. So <laughs> I got to give those two guys a shout out because they looked phenomenal. But y'all know the drill to the next time y'all see me, next time y'all hear me. It's been Darian Gray, the mouth of the South. Run it back. Benny, blessed.